Good morning, my friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you're here today. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We ask that you bless the teaching, the ministry of your word. Give us eyes and ears to see and hear spiritually what you're trying to get over to us so that we might experience your very best in life. Now, we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. My friends, let me say a big thank you to everybody that sowed seed into the field of dreams uh, to see this paid off uh, over the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles, of course, is still going on all of this week, and I'll actually be going out to the property to uh, Sukkot to camp out on the property in a tent, just like the Israelites did many years back, right, out in the desert. But uh, I've got a kind of nice tent, so I think I've got it a little bit better than what they had, praise God. But I will be out there praying for you. And because we are just coming off of the weekend still, and uh, you know we're early into the week, uh, some of the giving was also international, so the funds are still settling. And I trust that by Sunday, when I come back to see you again, I can let you know if we made it. And uh, we're close, I'll tell you that right now, but until everything settles, we can't get that accurate count. But I'm very excited because we are believing God to see the whole uh, remaining balance on that land paid off. Praise God. So uh, I'll be able to give you an accurate update on that next time I see you. Praise God. But let me just say for all of those of you that have given, thank you from the bottom of my heart. It is amazing what is taking place. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. More good news to come. I'll let you know if we reach the target next time I talk to you, okay? Now, for today, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 32. And let's begin today in verse 13. It says that he made him ride in the heights of the earth, that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock. Now, in Israel, there was a discovery, I believe it was in the year of 2007, when it was primarily being reported, of all of these ancient beehives that they discovered down south of, uh, in southern part of Israel, uh, south of Jerusalem. And there was an enormous beekeeping farm. And uh, many of those beehives uh, were preserved. And, and you know, you can't use them today or anything like that, but the remains were absolutely amazing. So uh, uh, there were a lot of bees in Israel, especially in the wilderness areas. And I've read reports from explorers back in the 1800s where there were so many bees and there was so much honey that uh, there would be these giant uh, like beehives on the rocks uh, out in the wilderness areas and they would just be dripping with honey. Praise the Lord. And you know, that's a really beautiful thing when you actually see that in nature. I, you know, growing up as a young boy, you know, uh, in like a forested type area, I remember hiking with my father and, and, and my brothers back into the woods and coming across these uh, forest beehives, and they're just dripping with honey. Matter of fact, we owned a property, a previous property. We sold it, and we used the money for the down payment on the uh, you know church facilities that we now own in Moravian Falls. But when we owned that property, there was a uh, walnut tree, and there was a sourgum tree growing next to it, and that tree had uh, a beehive that was growing in it, uh, lots of bees, and the honey was just like uh, phenomenal. And it is true that if you eat native honey that's native to your region, uh, it does do something to eliminate allergies. And I know here we have a lot of pollen uh, at certain times of the year, and you see people sneezing and uh, a lot of sinus congestion. But if you eat local honey, there's something in that honey that will give you an immunity to all of the stuff in the air that makes your eyes water and uh, makes you sneeze and makes your nose itch and all of that type of stuff. So they definitely had a lot of honey uh, in 
Israel. Now, sometimes when you're looking at the word honey uh, in relation to the Jewish culture, the Israel culture, um, you're, you could also be crossing over into the area of the date palm because honey can be made from the date palm. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that they did not have a lot of honey produced by honeybees. And it's, uh, I would say that the honey production from bees has greatly diminished over the years. And that's true pretty much throughout uh, other parts of the Middle East as well. Uh, a lot of the bees have disappeared, but uh, there are some that are still there. And it says, an oil from the flinty rock. Well, oil, we're, we're talking about olive oil, but it is true that Scripture can have more than one. You know, there's always the core meaning, but there's other shades of meaning as well. Uh, he made him draw honey from the rock. Some uh, translations say suck honey from the rock, and that would be, well, and also oil from the, the flinty rock. That can be a direct reference to what we know today as, um, you know, uh, fracking. Fracking is when you, uh, you get the oil that's actually trapped inside of the rocks. You can actually get it out, and you do that through fracking, which is um, explosions that are deep beneath the earth that fracture that rock and cause the oil to begin to uh, come out, and then you can suck it up once it uh, you know pools into a liquid form. And that's a lot of that's done not so much vertical drilling but horizontal drilling. But yes, uh, fracking has opened up all kinds of. Uh, uh, oil fields all over the world. And uh, so many of these things, when you study scripture, you'll see the science uh, is in the Bible. So he made him draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. Verse 14 is what I w want to move towards. Curds from the cattle. Now, curds here, uh, it's a different word from milk, and it's not milk that is pure flowing milk. This is milk that's more in a solid state in the Hebrew, what that's meaning. So it can either be curds or butter. Now, some of you have probably been on a farm before. Maybe you've even made curds and butter. I have, and I enjoyed as a young boy taking that raw, unpasteurized milk straight from the cow that is real thick and turning that into butter. A lot of fun. A little bit of work, but a lot of fun. And boy, you put that on the table uh, and it doesn't last long. It tastes so good and fresh. Curds or butter uh, from the cattle and milk from the flock. So the word milk here uh, would be a reference to that free-flowing milk. And this would be from uh, goats. Goats have very healthy milk and also, believe it or not, sheep. And it's pretty hard to find sheep milk today. But for the last, you know, 6,000 years, uh, people have been drinking sheep milk. It's, now, if you think cow milk is thick, and it is when you, when you squeeze it out, wow, sheep milk is about twice as thick as that, but it is extremely good for you. So this is the, the curds and butter, uh, butter from the cattle, the cows, and then we have the milk, the free-flowing milk from the, uh, from the sheep and from the goats. And next we have fat of lambs. Wow, fat of lambs. This is very, very interesting um, when we're looking here at the lambs and their fat. Uh, let me read a scripture to you from Exodus 29. Just keep your spot here. Exodus 29 and verse 11. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. Now listen to this. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails. The entrails are those, those inside parts. You shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys, and that fat that is on them, and burn them on the altar. So, the inner parts of the animal, say like the kidneys, there's going to be fat on that. That always uh, was something that was given to the Lord as a sacrifice. You were never allowed to eat that. That was something that you would give to the priest. They would burn that on the altar. 
But the flesh of the bull with its skin and its offal, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. So the fat of the kidneys was considered actually the finest and the tenderest uh, portion to eat. But because of that, it was therefore specified as part of the sacrificial animals which were to be offered to the Lord. So you could never eat that part. Now, you could take a T-bone steak, and if it has fat on it, you can eat that. Or if maybe you have a, a ribeye steak and there's some fat, you can eat that. But it was never permitted to eat the fat that would be connected to the inner parts, such as the kidneys or things like that, that always went to the Lord. So when it's talking about the fat of lambs, you're talking about the very best of the best. Praise God. And rams of the breed of Bashan. Now, Bashan is often connected with the most excellent cattle. Perhaps you've uh, just thinking of that word, you, you think about the phrase, the bulls of Bashan. That would be a reference to the most excellent cattle that would be available. So if you wanted prime steak, if you wanted one of the best filet mignons, well, you would go to Bashan and you'd say, I like a cut. I, I, I want the butcher to uh, get me something that's really good because the, the uh, cattle from Bashan were known as the preeminent cattle that you could get. They were uh, fed well and it was kind of like the, uh, maybe like the Kobe beef before that was ever in, uh, in vogue, so to speak. Praise God. So we have rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the choicest wheat. Oh, wow. I want to come back to that. And you drink wine, the blood of the grapes. The blood of the grapes, that also would give us an indication in the type of grape that was preferred in Israel, and that would be the red grapes. So when these grapes were pressed and that red juice begins to come out, well, of course, it looks like the blood. But also in the Hebrew, this word means to bubble and to foam. And so this is the freshly pressed grape juice coming out in the color of red. And because it's being pressed out, it's got the bubbles, it's got the foam in it. And in the eyes of the ancient Israelites, trust me, this was the highest luxury they had. You know, they didn't have all of the drinks we have available today. You can go to the supermarket today, and there's whole aisles lined with drink options. <laughs> everything from coconut water to soda to in everything that you can think of in between. But they did not have that. So when it was time to harvest the grapes and that blood of the grape is being pressed out and it's not diluted, they're not adding any water to it. They would drink it straight. And that, my friends, you're talking high level living. Woo! When would that usually take place? That would be going on right around the Feast of Tabernacles. Praise God. So this was the ultra premium, freshly pressed red grape juice. And so this whole statement, is a picture that God wants you to experience the very best. Praise the Lord. Now, let me go back just for a moment to the choicest wheat. Uh, this would be the finest of the wheat, but some translations translate this statement literally. It, for example, if you read the King James Version, it says, fat of kidneys of wheat. And that's literally what it's meaning in the Hebrew. It's talking about wheat, but it says fat of kidneys of wheat. Now, wheat does not, of course, have any kidneys. And now one, one commentator, he was trying to explain it. I was reading his commentary. He said, now this is because some wheat is shaped like kidneys. <laughs> uh, no, hello. No, there, there is no wheat. Uh, that's grown that looks anything like a kidney. No, the fat of kidneys of wheat, remember, uh, with the animal, those kidneys that would have, uh, you know, those intestinal organs that would have fat attached to it that always went to God, that represented the very, very premium best. So when it's talking about the fat of kidneys of wheat, this is telling you that this is wheat that is the very best wheat that can be produced. And yes, you can eat it. It is the most nutritious and delicious wheat available. Praise God. Woo! God wants you to eat the finest wheat. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, 
Having God's best, as we see here, is also always connected with our obedience to Him, to His Word, and to His ways. Let's look at verse 15. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. In other words, when God's people, uh, Jacob and his descendants, when Israel began to get strong as a nation, it says that's when they had a little bit of a rebellious problem. Not when they're all uh, beaten down and weak. No, but when they got strong, when Jeshurun grew fat and kicked, you grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Then he forsook God who made him. Uh, it was God who made Israel successful. It's God who gave them victory over their enemies. But once they got strong, they uh, turned their back on the Lord. And they scor scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to God. To gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. Praise the Lord. My friends, I want you to know that you can have the curds and the butter. Mm -mm. I want you to know that you can have the choicest milk, the most delicious, freshest milk possible. And you can have the fat of lambs, and you could have the best uh, filet mignon that you want, praise God. And you can have the best wheat, and you can have the blood of the grape. But to stay, to let me say it like this, to get to that place and to stay in that place, you must walk closely with the Lord. Uh, all throughout Scripture, God's blessing is associated with obedience. And when there's disobedience, even if you think you've got it fortified, even, even if you think you have it in vaults that it can't escape from, it will begin to slip away. Disobedience gives the enemy permission to come in and to uh, wreck the Garden of Eden that God helped you to establish. Praise God. So we're going to have the best, but we need to look at the examples throughout church history, throughout the history of Israel, so that we don't blow it or turn around or get lured away from God when things are going really, really well. Praise God. And things are going to go better and better for you. Let's jump over now to Psalm 81. And when I was going through this, you know, the whole psalm is so good, and I would ask that you would take your time to read through the entire psalm. But for the sake of time, let's just uh, go to uh, some select verses. I want us to go to Psalm 81, verse 10. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now look at this. Open your mouth wide, and I will Fill it. Woo! Praise God. What is the opening wide of the mouth? That is your personal expectancy to receive God's best. So many of you sowed powerful, sacred, beautiful seeds coming into this Feast of Tabernacles, and on the day of the Feast of Tabernacles, you have sown very special seed. And now God wants you to open your mouth wide with expectancy, and you know what He's going to do? He is going to fill it. Praise God. Amen. Now, here's something I want you to ponder. He fills your mouth in proportion to how big you open it. Woo! Oh, that's wonderful, Pastor Stephen. I'm going to believe God now for a harvest of $3 billion. <laughs> Look, God's going to do some amazing things for you, but you don't ever want to have an expectation that goes beyond your faith or else it won't work. You Look, your faith is strong enough to reach pretty far, but uh, reach out there. But the moment you would try to maybe surpass that circumference of your faith, that's when it won't work. And sometimes I, I meet Christians and they're being unrealistic in their expectations because they're expecting like uh, unlimited type stuff to happen. And uh, that's, that's being also in some ways unrealistic and, and just living foolish. But you can open your mouth wide with an expectancy for God to fill it 
And he's going to, but you need to have that target that you're looking for. Uh, God is going to greatly enlarge you. And, but see, here's what God won't do. He won't overwhelm you to agree where you can't budget it, you can't handle it, because when you get into that, that would be actually areas of waste. So God will grow you, and he can take you some uh, uh, level. He can actually... Uh, allow you to skip levels. He can really open the heavens over you and pour it out, but he would never pour it out to a degree where it's like wasted. No, you have to, uh, even with Jesus, you have to be able to gather the fragments so that they're not wasted. Hallelujah. We want to be good stewards. I've said it before, and I want to reiterate it. God cannot bless a mess. The higher you want to go, the better organization, the better structure, and the better order you have to have in your systems in order to facilitate going to those new levels. If the books are not accurate now and they're messed up now, uh, they're only going to get worse with increase. So you've got to have extreme levels of order. Now, you almost almost have to be a little bit like fanatic uh, to have everything in order, but that is essential if you really want to start stacking more zeros on the end of those numbers. <laughs> if you have order now, you'll have order then. But if things are a mess now, it would only get worse. So God can't bless a mess. I know a, a, a minister... Uh, uh, I ran into him just a couple of months back, but uh, he talked about the time that he went to a vending machine and he put some money into the vending machine and pressed the item that he wanted. And he stood there and nothing happened. <laughs> so now the machine's got his money and he doesn't have anything for it. And so he looked around and there's nobody around. There's no number to call or anything like that. So he pushed the machine and he pushed the machine and nothing happened. And he waited a little bit, didn't know what to do, and then he kicked the machine, and still nothing happened. And kind of frustrated, uh, he just turned around and walked away. When he walked away, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go back and read what's in the upper right-hand corner. Uh, he hadn't really looked up there before. So he turns back around, walks back to the machine, and at the top, it said, out of order. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, don't pour into something that is out of order. Why? Because God won't. Do you think God's going to put money into a machine that doesn't even work? Now, we would not do that uh, if we saw that sign, but it's the same thing. If something is out of order, God, I'm telling you, God can't bless a mess. Woo, praise God. This is helping somebody today because you want the butter and you want the curds and you want the blood of the grape and the fat of the lamb. And you're, you, that's your destiny. That is your Canaan land. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. But some of you need to pull the slack out, tighten things up a little bit because God can take you for a ride, but you have to be prepared for that journey. Praise God. And so open your mouth with expectation. If you really do believe God's going to fill it, you better have a place to put it. Woo! Hallelujah. I remember the time I was believing God for a motorcycle. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's wonderful that God knew it. Uh, yes, he did it. But uh, he did it. It's amazing how fast it came after I found the place to park it. Before I ever had it, I took uh, duct tape uh, because at that time I had a business. Uh, this was before I was in the ministry full-time. So I taped off a section out in front of my store of where the motorcycle was going to be parked at. <laughs> I had I already had it taped off and everything. Woo, praise the Lord. And right after that, boom, God blessed me. And guess what I did? I took the, the, the new motorcycle and parked it right there, right in front of my, the business I had. <laughs> Uh, order. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So he fills your mouth in proportion to how big you open it. So yes, open it wide so that God could really fill it. Praise God. And expect God to open the heavens over your life and to pour out uh, the overflow on you. Praise the Lord. And he's going to do it. Now, let's continue on. Verse 11. But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. 
So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Here's God saying, hey, I'm the one that brought you out of all the bondage, all the misery and slavery of Egypt. Now just open your mouth wide, I'll fill it. And they said, no, we don't want to. (laughs) So God gave them over to their own stubborn heart. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies. God doesn't need eight months to subdue your enemies. The closer you get to God and walk with him, listen to me, he'll get the devil off of your back. Woo, some of you are feeling some heat. Maybe the enemy is bringing some heat in you. I'm telling you, live straight, walk right, honor God in every facet of your life, and watch God come in and get the devil off your back. And he'll do it quickly. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. We'll have a lot of that going on when Jesus rules and reigns over the earth for 1,000 years. You will have certain people around the world that are just not into it. We know the devil will be chained and bound in the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. And so in a sense, his wicked influence is gone. But that still doesn't mean that within the hearts of men that uh, they're just into God. Many will be and will receive Christ as Savior. But others, they will feign obedience. They'll pretend. They'll pretend, but it's, they, they're not really with the Lord. So, uh, but their fate would endure forever. Now, verse uh, 16, he would have fed them also with the finest of wheat. And with honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The finest of the wheat. You know, I went out for a walk just a couple of days ago. And I, uh, I walked for about an hour just to relax. The weather was so nice. And I prayed in tongues the whole time. And right when I was getting back uh, to my home and then finished cover, coming up, walking up the driveway, right when I got back to the house, the interpretation, an interpretation just burst out of me in English. And I uttered it out. And out of me came the finest of the wheat. It was an explosive declaration of the will of God uh, for my life, for your life. That's why I'm sharing it with you. God wants you to have the finest of the wheat. Mm -mm. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, let me give you an example. When, When Kelly and I were in London just a few days back, uh, we concluded our meetings and, uh, we went to, uh, then we went up to Lindisfarne, and then we came back, spent a little more time in London uh, before catching our flight home. But while we were in London, we went to um, a local restaurant. You know, we were staying at a very nice place there in the city of London called uh, Cannery Wharf. Some of you, of course, are familiar with that. But uh, that place is actually the banking, the financial hub of, of all of England. Not only that, it's actually the bank, it's become the banking hub of EU. It is skyscrapers, it is ultra clean, ultra expensive, and um, it's, uh, it's all about money and finance. And so that's where, the, that's where our host uh, uh, church had put us to stay at, a very beautiful place. And of course, a very gracious church with an excellent, uh, with a pastor, with an excellent spirit to put my wife and I there. But we were surrounded uh, with beauty and uh, ultra high security everywhere. Uh, you you can't even walk out with your cell phone and start like filming. If you do, if you walk out with a, as much less, if you pull out a camera, <laughs> it's amazing. Security guards just show up. Where where do they come from? Well, they're watching. Everything is being watched all the time on uh, you know like surveillance cameras because this is the banking hub of all of Europe. So, um, and it's not like I was out trying to film, but I, I, I know that culture and what's, uh, what that, uh, uh, what that little, uh, microcosm world is like there. So, um, uh, so Kelly and I thought, let's go get something to eat, uh, for dinner. And we, uh, Anytime you have wealth like that, that's centered in a certain area, you're going to have really nice restaurants. So we went to, uh, a uh, Italian restaurant that specialized in really good pasta. So we had a little salad and they brought the pasta out the main course. And the moment, of course, you bite into something like this, 
uh, you're, you know, you're eating the finest of the wheat. In other words, you can't go and buy this type of pasta on any supermarket shelf. It's not, it's not possible. Not only that, they're using a special type of wheat and, uh, it was so good. Yes, it's fresh. They just rolled it out, just cooked it, but it's ultra premium wheat that comes from Italy and they are making some serious Seriously good pasta, praise God. But God wants you to eat that uh, the finest of the wheat. That's an expression that means he wants you to have the best. That, that doesn't mean we all have to drive a Rolls Royce and we all have to live in a penthouse suite or something like that. Although, if you want to live in something like that, that's totally fine. And what you drive is between you and the Lord uh, and what makes you happy and what God gives you the thumbs up on, that's totally fine. But at the same time, the finest of the wheat is what makes you tick. It's what, it what, it's what makes you happy. Praise God. I've, 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 I've had people ask me before, Pastor Stephen, why don't you drive a, like a luxury car? Why don't, why don't you drive like a Mercedes Benz or something? I'm like, well, if it breaks down, and trust me, if it's a European like car, like a Mercedes, they're known for breaking down. They, they're built with planned obsolescence in mind. In other words, they know these plastic parts are going to break and then we can charge you $800 for that little plastic part. Uh, you know, years back, over two, 20, 20 years back, they used to try to build cars that would last longer. But now uh, it's, it's called planned obsolescence. When they know the part will only last a couple of years, what does that mean? It means you've got to go buy a brand new part and pay the service technician. So it's just a, it's just a way to keep making more money. But, um, but you know, it doesn't really fit in some parts of the, of the U.S. to drive a luxury car. Why? Well, there's no dealers around here. So if it broke, if I had one and it broke down, what am I supposed to do with it? Have it towed two hours to Charlotte? <laughs> and yes, they do break down. They sure do. Mm-mm. You know, the, the Mercedes S-Class, beautiful car, fantastic car, but it's got over 50 computer modules in it. And yet, sometimes they go bad, and you got to figure out which one it is. You have to have you know twenty thousand dollars scan tool to figure out what's wrong with it and stuff like that. There's there's no technology here within the radius of where I live to deal with stuff like that. So I drive what makes me happy, and it's also something that the locals think, hey, that's a nice ride. Praise God, because everybody thinks different based upon where you live. But regardless of what it is, the finest of the wheat. Now, look, there's like 11 major types of wheat that are grown around the world, but there's 30,000 variants of it. So uh, you actually have over 30 different thousand types of wheat, technically, that you could eat, okay? But we grow in the, in, in the earth today, mainly 11 kind. But it just comes down to what your taste is. But whatever that is, God wants you to have the finest of the wheat. Woo! Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm -mm. By the way, the best wheat for uh, pasta is called Durham wheat. It's hard to beat the Italians with that. Praise the Lord. They grow some really good wheat. Not that we don't here in the States, but we primarily uh, grow uh, a different type here. I'll jump back to that in a minute. Now, I want to say that obedience uh, has always been associated with physical uh, temporal and spiritual abundance. Praise the Lord. So if you want God's best, uh, not only in the natural, but also in the spiritual where you're filled with the spirit and you can, uh, have good prayer time and good communication time with God. And this relationship is active. It's vital. The phone line is open. Then you need to live for the Lord fully. So, um, so that nothing blocks that. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, let's move over to the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. I see that you're going to eat the fat of the land, uh, the fat of the wheat. That means that you're going to enjoy God's best. Mm -mm. Now, Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18. So what I'm trying to do today is I'm trying to bring the balance that yes, God wants you to have the best, but throughout scripture, we see as we have in Deuteronomy and also in Psalms, uh, that having the best is connected to walking in obedience to God's commandments. 
Verse 18, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Verse 19, if, now we know that the word if is conditional. So this uh, is a, uh, an area where we have the choice and the decision to do the right thing. If you are, number one, willing, and number two, obedient. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good or the fat of the land. Woo! Praise God. But if you refuse and rebel, you don't, you don't mind if I flip the coin over, right, and show you the other side of the coin, right? But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Mm -mm. You know, God wants you to eat the good of the land. Um, sometimes I see Christians, they go to church, uh, but they're always defeated, and they're not happy, and it seems like the devil's putting a whooping on them in every single facet of their life. And uh, sometimes I just ask them, like, what do you guys, like, do in church? W what are you actually listening to? Because... <laughs> <laughs> something's not working. Something's not connecting. And so you want to listen to wheat, fine wheat that feeds you. Because um, if you're eating, consuming spiritually, sticks, hay, stubble, and stuff like that, let me tell you, there's no nutrients in that. Your body cannot digest a stick. So you need to spiritually eat the finest of the wheat. You need good teaching. You need good teaching. Praise God. And God, when you're serious about your walk with the Lord, he'll bring good teachers into your life. Praise the Lord. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So God wants you to have the good wheat spiritually. That's what you should be consuming. Now you can eat barley, but you're going to get to know the toilet really well. Okay, and, and the Israelites, a lot of times, they would mix barley with wheat if they wanted that barley flavor, but usually you give the barley to the animals and you eat the wheat, praise God. But I, I see a lot of Christians, it seems like they're trying to live on barley and just teachings that won't put you over, will not produce victory in your life, but God wants you to eat the finest of the wheat, praise God. If you are willing and obedient, what does it mean to be willing? It means you not only serve the Lord, but you serve him with a good heart. Praise God. Uh, you, you don't act like it's a burden. You don't act like it's like something that you're being deprived of. Uh, sometimes people with their testimonies like, well, I gave this up to serve God. Uh, seems like you're still kind of attached to it. But it, it, to give it up is also to realize you are relinquishing a weight in order to receive something better. We're, we're not losing out by serving God. We're gaining. <laughs> by the way, godliness is profitable. Did you ever stop to really think about that? When you live right, godliness is profitable profitable, not only for this life, but also for the world to come. But I'm telling you in this life, it pays to serve the Lord. You're not losing out when you serve God. You're rejoicing. You're coming into the very best. Jesus said, when you lose your life is when you find it. Uh, in other words, when you lose the self-life, the self-interest, and you lay that down, realizing God has something better, then you discover the plan that God has for you. Praise God. So if you are willing Okay, that's a joyful heart to serve God and obedient. It does come down to the place where uh, this is just you and God, one-on-one, -on -one, and you make that decision. I'm not going to do that. That's not right. I am going to do this. This is in the Word of God. This is right. And that which says yes, you say yes to. That's what which God said, don't touch that. That'll hurt you. That'll kill you. You say, all right, I'll stay away from it. I'll even run away from it if I have to. But you make that personal choice to be what? To be obedient. Praise God. And when you do, the next thing you know, you find yourself in that place where you are eating the good of the land. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, speaking of the good of the land, let's go to one of the famous verses in the Bible that all of the rabbis have poured over a lot, studied a lot, and uh, let's take a look at it. It's Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 8. And um, 
I don't study Kabbalah because uh, there's a lot of New Age and just a lot of Eastern mysticism mixed into that that basically is unscriptural. Uh, although I am familiar with many of the teachings along that line, sometimes you have to eat uh, the wheat and spit out some sticks and some things. So if you have the maturity to do that and you're well grounded in the word, you can glean some good things. I, I know many Jewish people, I've got a couple of friends who's uh, maybe their father or their grandfather was a great rabbi, a great mystic, a great um, uh, Kabbalist or something like that. Well, there's going to be some goofy stuff mixed in with that, but some of the things also can be really, really good. So I will sometimes filter through in order to get the good, praise God. And that's all I'm saying is that we need to study. But if it doesn't line up with the Word, if it doesn't line up with the, the uh, theology of the New Testament, I just dismiss it, don't want anything to do with it. Now verse 8, Deuteronomy 8.8, 8. Uh, this is the land, the Canaan land that God has for his people, and here are the seven species, or the seven uh, uh, foods that were uh, famous in the land, a land of wheat and barley. Let me count them, okay? A land of wheat and barley, of vines, that's uh, grapes, and uh, uh, fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. Praise the Lord. Let me put a picture up on the screen so you can take a look at these seven uh, different types of food that are famous in the land of Israel. By the way, which one out of the seven is listed first? Wheat. Why? It's the most important out of all of them. Think about it just for a moment. How many of you like pizza? And you put your toppings on the pizza and the cheese on the pizza and your tomato sauce. Okay, take the bread away. Take the wheat away from the, what the pizza is made from. What do you have? <laughs> you don't even have anything to hold your... You don't even have a pizza. You've got, you'd have a glob of cheese and uh, maybe olives or onions or whatever you want on your pizza. You take the wheat away and suddenly... It's a very different world. If you, well, I, I'm going to go get a cheeseburger, Pastor Stephen. Okay, well, you take the wheat away. Now you don't have a bun. Now you've just got a piece of meat. And uh, so the world changes without wheat. Now, I do know that some cultures, uh, like Asian, uh, the emphasis on the main food source is rice, okay? But the, even with all of the rice production that comes out of Asia, uh, what what nation is the number one producer of wheat in the world? Oh, Pastor Stephen, that would have to be the USA. Uh, no, it's not. It's China. China is the biggest wheat producer in the world. Now, when you think about corn, you think about South America and those wonderful nations down there. That would be their staple crop. Okay, and, and for many Asian countries, it's going to be rice. But for other parts of the world, Europe, uh, America, and uh, Israel, it's still the number one. It's still wheat. So wheat's the big one, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And uh, uh, today, Israel grows their own wheat. Primarily, it would be the wild emmer wheat. That's what they like. Their farmers like that one because it's hardy and it's able to grow in poor soil. Now, with their own wheat production within the nation of Israel today, they produce 20% of the wheat, and the other 80% is imported. Guess where it comes from? The Ukraine. Mm -mm. So they import 80% of their wheat. Now, they could grow it all in Israel, but they have still that number one challenge, which is lack of water. So, and as you know, the Jordan River is getting pulled away. You know, the, as that Jordan River, the water flows through it, it's to being taken off this way, that way for irrigation. Some of it is even going to the nation of Jordan. And uh, a sad truth is that uh, the water in the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea. The reality is that, is that just before you get to the Dead Sea, the Jordan River just finishes. The water doesn't even make it anymore. It's sad. <laughs> That'll all change one day. Amen. And the Dead Sea will be turned into a fisherman's paradise. People will probably come from all over the world to fish uh, in what is now known as the Dead Sea, but will become teeming with life. Praise God. So God wants you to eat the best uh, and if that's wheat, he wants you to eat the best wheat. And if God wants you to eat the best, then God would want you to live 
in the best, where you're in a nice, safe neighborhood where people aren't shooting at you and you feel you feel good. God would want you to have a good car. Does it, again, doesn't mean that you have to drive an ultra expensive car, especially if you can't afford it. Don't put yourself in some kind of a financial strain. But God wants you to drive something that when you're crossing the four-way intersection doesn't die on you in the middle of the intersection. <laughs> Cars like that, I think more people uh, don't get so much injured in the accidents that those cars cause as they are, in a sense, stressed out by driving a car that you never know when it's going to shut off and strand you on the side of the road. Mm. God wants you to have a good vehicle. Praise the Lord. And God wants you to eat, consume good spiritual material. Praise God. There are some ministers that are nice ministers, but I, I would dare not listen to their teaching. It's just uh, off track. And if you eat that, you'll, you'll go in that same direction off track. And uh, uh, wow, I could say a lot along that line, but if you want victory, you need to be consuming faith material, not stuff that puts you in fear, not stuff that leads you in a direction where you're piling up beans and rice, guns and ammo, because you think you're going to ride it out and uh, somehow overcome the Antichrist when he has his rule. Uh, you need to get filled with the word, get filled with the word of faith and walk close with God, uh, have a strong prayer life. Uh, but other stuff that takes you in different directions, Wow, watch out. Praise God. That's not the finest of the wheat. God wants you to have the best. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the top 10 producers in the world of wheat are number one, China, number two, India, number three, Russia, and number four, good old USA. Praise God. Followed by Canada. Canada has really good wheat and France, Pakistan, Ukraine, Germany, and Turkey. Um, uh, France specializes in a wheat that's really good uh, for pastry and for breads. Uh, I was listening to an American chef some time back lament the fact that trying the various U.S. wheats to create that delicious, uh, uh, you know, loaf of French bread, uh, the person just couldn't do it and was so frustrated. But and the cook knew why. The chef was like, we don't have the type of wheat that they're using over there in Paris. If we did, we could get our, uh, you know, a loaf out just like they're producing. And I've had it. I've been in uh, Paris before, and you, wow, you get a, a, a loaf of that hot French bread right out of the oven, and all you need is some butter, and you don't need anything else for lunch. You, that, that can be your lunch. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. <laughs> but they're using a different type of uh, wheat flour. Praise God. My friends, God wants you to have the best in life. And again, having the best is always associated with obedience. Praise the Lord. When you read Deuteronomy uh, chapter 28, verses 1 through 14, you see the great blessings of obedience, that you'll be the head and not the tail. And then comes the remaining portion of the chapter, which if you're walking in obedience, it doesn't apply to you. But if you're opening doors to the devil, watch out. You might find yourself defined in one of those following verses. If so, straighten up quick as possible, close the door on the enemy, and let the blessing of God begin to resume flowing in your life. Let's look at one more scripture. This is Psalm 34. Praise the Lord. Psalm 34. Let's go to verse 8. O taste and see that the Lord is good. God wants you to taste with the visible proof that he's giving you his best. Maybe today, maybe today you need um, to taste something. Maybe you need something that would make you happy. And uh, perhaps you just need to ask God for that and say, Lord, I want to taste and see that you are good. And uh, you know what is harvest time right now? And uh, some of you are going to reap some very, very powerful harvest. I know it. It's coming. But maybe you need a little uh, something up front just to make you happy. Okay? God can do that for you. Why don't you ask him to do that? Praise God. And watch what he will do. It doesn't have to be something gigantic or, you know, huge. But just something that's a taste, a good taste, like a good loaf of bread. But something perhaps that would represent you eating the best. Praise God. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. That way, the things around your house. See, it says in Psalm 112, verse 3, that your house will be full, not of junk, not of worthless stuff that even if you had a garage sale, nobody wants to buy. But it says that your house will be full of wealth and riches. Well, oftentimes that's, that those items are accumulated one at a time, one purchase at a time. And before you know it, hey, the home is looking really good. Praise God. Maybe you need to have a new addition. Maybe you want to ask God for something like that. Go ahead and ask him right now and he'll do it for you. Praise the Lord. Just say, Lord, I'm ready to taste the good of the land. I'm ready to eat the best of the wheat. Mm, 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 mm. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God is moving right now by his Holy Spirit. That thing that you're about to acquire is it the best, or, or are you just settling because you've gotten into a routine of just uh, thinking that you don't deserve the best? May I suggest to you that if Jesus put such value on you that he hung on the cross and died for you, uh, if he puts that type of worth on you, I think you're worth a good cologne. Men, I think you're worth a good cologne. Ladies, I think you're worth at least a $50 bottle of perfume. Praise God. You need to see yourself as eating the finest of the wheat because Jesus see you. He sees you as worth it because of who you are in him and what he's invested into you. Praise God. So begin to move out of any mentality that says, well, I guess this will do. Well, is it the best? Not, not, not that it has to be the, be the most expensive, but is it the best for what would fit this situation and what would work good and something um, you know, that adds value? Praise God. Think about that in your purchases. Praise the Lord. Glory, 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 glory to God. Evaluate, evaluate things. Praise the Lord. Evaluate things. Praise God. Now, Father, I pray for your people. Take them into it, eating the finest of the wheat. They're going to know it. They're going to know it in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus, you, you just don't know him, and, uh, but God's drawing you to him right now. I want to pray for you, and I want you to pray along with me. Uh, and I also want to invite anybody that perhaps you used to follow the Lord, but you fell away. I just had an email from uh, a ministry partner that fell away. He said, Pastor Stephen, I've been out of it for a few months, fell back into sin. And, and I called him right back. I said, come on back, get right with God, get out of the enemy's camp and uh, the camp of the curse and the camp of uh, your life falling apart, and get back over here with God. Amen. But if that's you also, I want you to pray with me as well. Now, let us all together pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want to eat the good of the land. Jesus, save me now. Wash all of my sins away with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. I give you my heart. I give you my whole life. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. For those of you that are now new in the faith, welcome to the family of God. For those of you that were the black sheep that ran away, welcome back. Woo! Glory to God. Now you can go out and bring many to Christ. Praise the Lord. Ha have some righteous vengeance. Amen. The enemy led you away. Well, go and uh, you're back. Go and now bring seven more at least along back with you. Praise God. Call them back. Amen. To the green pastures of the good shepherd. Praise God. Well, let's take Holy Communion. This is the week of the Feast of Tabernacles, and, um, uh, and I'm going back out uh, to the property, uh, to the tent that I've got set up out there to pray and intercede for you. I'm believing with you for God's maximum return on the seed that you have sown. I want you to be opening your mouth wide with expectancy so that God can fill it. Praise the Lord. Now, grab some uh, unleavened bread grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Holy Communion. We thank you for the bread, the body, and the blood, the juice. We set this apart as being holy. We thank you, Father, that we're going to now receive the 
flesh, and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you for an expectancy of good things. We thank you, Father, for setting standards where we do not receive junk and garbage into our lives. It doesn't mean that we're arrogant or prideful, but it does mean that we hold standards, and there are certain things it has to be done the right way. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for helping us to uh, hold standards where we are aiming for your best. Now, we thank you, Father God. We give you all of the praise. Thank you for the Lord's body, his flesh, in Jesus' name. Let's receive together. Amen. Let's protect together. Praise God. Some woman, you're not married. You're not married. You're single. You want to get married. You, you might want to get rid of those old plastic shoes you've been wearing around. You know the plastic shoes? You know they're actually made from oil. Why don't you get yourself a pair of shoes that look nice, not something that looks like a ski boat about ready to take off. <laughs> get your pair of shoes that look nice. Praise God. Mm -mm. Unless you want to be a farmer's wife and walk around in clodhoppers. But you might, you might be single until Jesus comes back. Get your pair of shoes that look sharp and nice. Amen. That make you feel good about yourself. Not make you feel, feel like you're about to go out and start digging up potatoes. No, praise the Lord. Amen. Get yourself a pair of shoes that look good. Amen. Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. It's incredible cleansing power. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus over our minds, protecting us over our bodies, over all that we own, over all of our territory, over our children. Oh, God, we give you praise. I thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus over every online church member, over every ministry partner. Father, we celebrate the blood. We proclaim the Lord's uh, uh, death until he comes because it's through his death that we have such a magnanimous life. Woo! In you, Father, thank you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Let's receive it now. Mm, I'm thinking about the blood of the grape. Let's drink. Woo! Praise God. Praise the Lord. Mm, mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, God's word changes everything. All you need is one word from God to, you know, uh, put your life in the right direction. I had my, a lady in my church one time that um, uh, had real had a real poverty spirit on her. And uh, uh, she would even try to cook food, take it to the homeless and uh, feed the, you know, like a big pot of goulash or something like a soup goulash or something. And uh, one, one day, uh, the, the head of the homeless camp, because anytime you have a people that are home, uh, eventually there's a leader somewhere. So, um, you know, she's serving all this food to the homeless people. One day, uh, the, the head guy who was a spokesman for the all, and he was homeless, but they're all homeless. But he was like the one that, that you know, was kind of like the homeless camp leader. He came to her and said, when she was walking out there with another pot one day, he came to her and said, okay, we need to have a little talk. Uh, you've been bringing us this food and you want us to eat your cooking. He said, I, he said, we can't eat this. He said, we know we're all homeless. I'm homeless. We're all in desperate states. And the truth is we're hungry, but we can't eat this. This tastes like slop. Please take it back. We cannot eat stuff like this. We are having enough time as it is, hard as it is. We do not need to be degraded further by being fed food like this. And she came to me and she, she was crying about how she, her food got rejected. I said, sister, you got a real poverty spirit on you, don't you? Because when she went to the grocery store, if she wanted to get something for herself, like a little treat, she'd get something that maybe uh, uh, we're aiming real low here, like a real ultra cheap cracker. I said, why don't you go get to that section on the dessert aisle and get like some of those really high-end cookies? She said, I, I, I've never done anything like that in my life before. I said, do it. <laughs> She, she came back with a, like a little box of Pepperidge Farm cookies, and she, she thought she had gotten raptured and gone to heaven. 
Glory to God. Amen. God wants you to have the finest of the wheat. Praise the Lord. By the way, if you're interested in, in, in Israel and their agriculture and the, uh, you know, just the thing that makes the nation of Israel click, why don't you go to Israel with me on tour? Uh, we do have a tour coming up in 2024. It's late April, early May. And uh, you can go to my website and you can download the entire brochure and you could even uh, uh, just call and just register and go. Woo! Hallelujah. It's going to be off, off the charts. This tour is, um, uh, listen to me, I'm not exaggerating. This tour is the finest of the wheat. We do have reserved in Jerusalem, the Inball Hotel, not the Motel 6, the Inball Hotel. If you want to see Israel, and look, I can't vouch for other tours that are out there. This tour company that puts this together is the preeminent tour company. And I've met other people that have gone on other tours and they got put in dump hotel rooms. Uh, I, I should be honest. They shouldn't even be called hotels. They should be called motels. Uh, Pastor Stephen, they don't have that in Israel. Uh, you better believe they do. They got some real dumpy hotels. And some people th that thought they were hidden off the Israel to, to really enjoy the promised land, Oh, they had a surprise when they got put in that dump of a hotel, run-down rooms and weird old stuff in the room back from the 1970s. If you want the best of Israel and you want to taste the good of the land, come with my wife and I to the land of Israel. We'll treat you right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Look how easy this is. If you want to go, call the number 800-929-4684. Select option two. Tell them you want to go with Pastor Stephen Brooks to Israel. Mm, mm, mm. Woo, you're worth it. You deserve it. Praise God. <laughs> if you want to suffer and agonize, this is not the tour for you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Well, thank you for joining me today. And uh, let me put up the giving link because as the, the word goes forth, you want to sow into the ministry that's bringing you the fine wheat, the good word. Okay, so that information is now on the screen. Thank you for supporting this ministry. Thank you for being faithful to the Lord with your tithes and also sowing offerings as the Holy Spirit leads you, which is what we have been doing up to Feast your tabernacles, and I know many of you still are because this is where, you know, tabernacles is a seven-day event. Praise God. Glory to the Lord. Now, as I say goodbye for the day, I want you to have high expectancy with that metaphorical open mouth, wide open so that God can fill it. Mm, let your expectancy be high. God's ready to open the windows of heaven over you, pour out blessing mm -mm, that you are in such overflow that you're able to go to a higher level in your giving, in your support of the work of God, that you're able to just uh, expand and increase in every area of your life. Now, Father, bless your people. Bless your people, Father God, during this tabernacle season. Thank you, Father God. Those that want to go to Israel, Lord, let them get registered and signed up. And I thank you, Father God, for their seeds that they're sowing. I thank you for their honoring you with the tithe. 10% of all of their income, all of your increase goes to you. I thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. There are many that are watching, Father, that they love Israel. Father, I pray that you give them the provision, a harvest where they could come with me and my wife to Israel on this tour in 2024. Give them the provision to come with no strain. Give them overflow where they can even bring somebody else. Because, Father, these tours change people's lives for the better. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, some of you need to come to Israel because you have a business. And you need, you need to see it uh, uh, continue to move forward on the cutting edge. And Israel is the, um, the, the world leader on startup businesses. Israel is also the leader in agriculture. Bishop David Oyedipo from Nigeria founded an agricultural university. And while he was in Israel examining 
their farming technology, uh, he saw watermelons, one watermelon so big, you have to have a wheelbarrow to carry it. And he said, we need to invest into this technology. So many of you also will discover that moving forward with your life's destiny, you have some kind of uh, connection with the land of Israel. Woo! Oh, you're in the good stuff. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm talking to you. God's, God wants you to be tied into that Abrahamic blessing, which is international. It's not, it's not a localized little thing where you have the mom-pop shop on the corner. But you could have the shop on the corner, but you go online, and now your product starts going global, international. Come on, that blessing of Abraham takes you to an international level. Glory to God. So many of you will even have a connection, perhaps even some way business-wise, with the nation of Israel. But you need to go. You need to see it. So come on the tour with me and watch what God will do as you go around and see how they're doing things. Let that touch you as well. Well, uh, thank you for joining me today. I pray that you have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. I'm so glad that you are in my life, that you are in my world. Praise God. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.